Uh, very thankful for school teachers who've taken the time as well to be in, here and, and just organize the children. And of course, to parents and grandparents and guardians. It's wonderful. I've already said a big thank you to Lisa. Lisa, you've done a great job with your team. And I know it takes a team, but we really appreciate it. I'm very thankful that actually this church isn't just about the big idea. Uh, big idea is a weekend, but uh, every day of every week, we're seeking to love and serve our community. And you saw a little bit of an expression of that on the video. And we've also said a very big thank you. There are many business people, there are many charities and organizations who help us do what we do, as well as Arena Church being one of them. We, we constantly try to say it's Arena Community, but everybody automatically wants to call it Arena Church. And, but it, it is actually Arena Community, and Arena Church is a supporter of that community. And we're very thankful for all that has been done. But let me say, we're not going to rest on our laurels. There's more to be done because there's more people that need to be helped and touched and encouraged and reached. And we will not hold back until we've done that. Is anybody with me from the church this morning? You can rest easy. If you're a guest here this morning, just kick your shoes off if you've got clean feet and just rest for a minute because I've got 20 minutes and countdown's already gone to about 18 and a half minutes. So I'm not going to be long. And uh, I just want to share a few thoughts around uh, our community this morning. But before I do that, I'll often just take a funny story. And I was sent this. So Sister Maria was sitting, meditating at her convent window when she saw from her first floor room a dejected and depressed gentleman of the street who was sitting on the convent wall and his head was in his hands taking pity on him she folded a five pound note into a note with the words don't despair sister maria written on it she then threw it towards him and it landed at his feet The following day, Sister Maria was told there was a man at the door insisting on seeing her. And she found, upon arriving at the door, the stranger of yesterday who was waiting. Without a word, he reached out his hand and handed her some money. What's this, she asked. It's your 50 pound. Don't despair, came in at 10 to 1. Listen, if you're despairing this morning, I've got a great message for you. I've got a really great message for you. It says in Isaiah 53 and verse 1 this, and we're going to see it on the screen. Who believes what we've seen? Sorry, who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? Yesterday I was asked a question whilst on the field. What do I believe? My answer to that response was, well, I believe that this arena church is all about loving and serving the community. And we do that because Jesus Christ did exactly that. Jesus Christ, what I believe is he came into the world because he needed to, because this world was broken. It was messed up. It was needed fixing. The Bible calls it sinfulness. And I have a theory about that. People don't need to be told the sinners. We already know. And Jesus Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but to love the world. So that was my response to them. I was intrigued by the question because I immediately thought to myself, they're asking this question because they have have an impression. 
And their impression is this, that actually God is for good people. If you're good, then God's into you. If you're bad, God's not into you. And that is a wrong impression. Their impression was that actually if you go to church and you're you know, like the kind of a Christian and one of those born-again Christians, then that must mean that you're like a religious monk. You drink slur and you don't own a TV. <laughs> and you never do anything wrong. That was their impression. And I understand that impression. Let me say, if you're here this morning and you're from a non-church background... I say this when I get the opportunity, I need to apologize to you because of the way that the church has portrayed itself over many years. Churches, many churches have been cold, have been distant, have been rules and regulations, do's and don'ts. In fact, what they've done is condemned, they've not shown love. And I apologize for that. Because actually Jesus didn't come to be a hard taskmaster, and that is why they didn't believe that this saving power would look like this. You see, the religious people of Jesus' day were looking for salvation in the form of a military leader because they were oppressed by the Romans, and so they were looking for somebody to take up the sword and the spear and take a, you know, an army to, to overthrow the Romans. And Jesus, not once, it's recorded that he picked up a sword or a spear. He didn't create an army, not in the, in, the, in the truest sense of we understand. They're expecting Jesus to be this religious person who was separate from the world, who wouldn't mix with, oh, those kinds of people. And Jesus was completely the opposite because the Bible records he was a friend of sinners. That means to say he was a friend of prostitutes. He was a friend of tax collectors. He was a friend of publicans. He was a friend of the man on the street. So your impression this morning could be just that, but I'm trying to tell you that there's something different about this Jesus. And the question that I want to pose to each and every one of us this morning is this. If Jesus was here, what would he say to you and to this community? In this community service, if Jesus was here right now and he walked into the, into the, into the auditorium and he, and, he, and he came onto this stage... What do you think Jesus would say to you? I think most of you think that he would be here and would want to lambast you. He would want to shout at you. He'd want to criticize you. He'd want to put you down because of your lifestyle, because of the way you've lived, because of the things you've thought, because of the things you've done. And nothing could be further from the truth. Let me tell you, I believe what Jesus would say to you and to this community that he so desperately loves. He recognized we're broken. He recognizes This community is broken. God recognizes this world is broken. And with all due respect, we have a lot of political people here, but politicians themselves will not just fix this this thing. We need to pray for the politicians. We need to recognize their authority. But actually, they alone cannot fix this world. I believe Jesus would say this. I've come to give you and this community a second chance. He's the God of the second chance. Anybody glad about that? Oscar Wilde said this, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. You see, Jesus stepped into our brokenness, into our mess, much like today, and announced a second chance for all. He was a friend of thieves, chances, dealers, prostitutes, children, rulers, 
business people, and they were all captivated by him. Why? Because he became their friend. We really believe here that if we are to participate in our community, then we will be able to pastor our community. You see, very often people want to pastor their community without participating in it. Some of you young leaders who are aspiring to be in ministry need to understand this. To participate in your community, then you have the ability to pastor your community. And Jesus did just that. He connected with people who were far away from the religious kind of things. I'm intrigued by people who I come into contact with. I come into contact with lots of people in my role of being one of the leaders here. And one of the greatest joys that I have, and we've got a lot of our church family here this morning, and you know that I love you, but I love nothing more than to connect with people who are far away from God. And particularly the most broken they are, the more I'm intrigued by them. So everybody has a story. You here this morning, you do what you do because you have a story. The problem is nobody's ever taken the time to listen to your story. But I'm increasingly wanting to listen to people's stories. I'm thinking of a, of a man who I won't say, but some of the church have heard me say this before, who is my sort of age. And uh, there's not been a year since the age of 14, where he hasn't been in prison. And I remember meeting with this man and talking with him, and him expressing the fact that he'd never felt any kind of love until he came into contact with Arena Church. He didn't feel that anybody would give him another chance, and yet Arena Church had sought to just reach out and give this man a second chance. See, it's an interesting world in which we live because actually there's no absolutes. We can do what we want and feel what we want and go do it. If it feels good, just do it. And yet on the other side, we're very unforgiving. The world is very unforgiving. You make a mess and we just write you off. Jesus doesn't live like that. If you've messed up, if you've made a mess of your life, if you're making a mess of your life, he is the God of the second chance. How do I know that? Well, there's two illustrations that I can draw your attention to. And it's found in Luke in chapter 19 and verse 2. It talks about Jesus passing through an area. And for those who have ever done Sunday school or junior church, you'll know this story. Because there's a man by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was vertically challenged. Okay, he was small. Okay, he was, he, was, he was not the tallest guy in the world. And he heard that Jesus was passing through. So, Jesus, uh, so Zacchaeus climbed a tree to see Jesus. But the problem with Zacchaeus were, was he was incredibly disloyal. Because he was a Jewish man and yet he was working for the Romans. And make matters worse, he wasn't just disloyal. He was taking money off his brothers and his friends. He was a tax collector. He was a chancer. He was a player. He was a dealer. He was the kind of guy who really got up your nose. He was equivalent to a drug dealer of today. Who were really affecting people's lives in their own world. Those people that we know who deal drugs on the streets. They're affecting those who we love and care for. And Zacchaeus was doing exactly that. He was taking money off innocent people. Ripping them off. And giving it to the Romans. And taking his percentage. He was a man who they didn't like. But what did Jesus say to him when he was passing through? He saw him up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I want to come and have lunch with you. I want to come and have tea with you. I want to have some food with you. They couldn't believe it. What Jesus was basically saying is, Zacchaeus, I don't condemn you. There's a second chance. And interestingly, there was no gospel message that was preached. There was no come to Jesus, turn to me. There was nothing like that. But as a result of Jesus reaching out to this man, Zacchaeus realized the error of his ways and said, listen, everything I've stolen, I'm going to pay back in double. 
I just need to sort my life out. I'm thinking of another story in John chapter 8 because there's a woman who's nameless. And she was caught in the act of adultery. She was having an affair. The religious people of the day, that was stonable. They used to stone people for things like that. Thank God we don't do that now. And what happened was, they brought her to the religious people. And they were trying to trick Jesus. And they said, Jesus, what do we do with a woman like this? And he said, he without sin cast the first stone. He was basically saying, guys, if you've never done anything wrong, then please feel free to pick up a stone and throw the brick at you. Go for it. Fill your boots. But then what happened was, we see in John, reading John chapter 8, that as a result of Jesus making that statement, these religious leaders dropped their stones on the floor and one by one began to walk away because they recognized that they themselves were sinners. May not have been an adulterer, but they were sinners. And Jesus says to the woman, he reaches down to her and says, where are your accusers? And they said, there's no one to be found. And he says, then neither, I, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. What Jesus was basically saying to this woman was, your sinfulness is wrong, but I am going to grant you a second chance. If Jesus was here today, his message to every one of you would be, I am the God of the second chance, and the third chance, and the fourth chance. Because you might be looking at somebody who you think, oh, he must have you know, been quite a religious sort of person. Well, the real- reality is, even in my life today, I have to bend my knee before God in prayer and ask him to forgive me for the things I think and say and feel. See, we're all sinners. But I'm saved by grace. He's the God of the second chance. This is why God's message was so radical. Both times Jesus was speaking to two separate people and he was saying that I am granting you a second chance. Let me ask you a question this morning as I draw it to a close. What have you done that you are ashamed of? What things would you be horrified if others knew about you. I want to say those things in my life and those things in your life. Jesus doesn't do this, but rather he does this because he comes close to our brokenness and our sinfulness. How you, can you care for an injured person from a distance? You can't. The only way that you can care for an injured person is close up. And that's what happened with Jesus coming into the world. He was in the form of a baby. And yes, I do believe that through the Virgin Mary. And Jesus expressed his love to us. God expressed his love to us by allowing his one and only son to die upon a cross for you and for me. Jesus comes close to these things in your life and my life and whispers, I've given you a second chance. No matter how far you've gone, You can always turn around. Jesus speaks a second chance to you. Let me say, Jesus speaks a second chance to this community. There are people in this community, across this country, who would write off a community like Ilkeston. They'd write it off because it's not sophisticated enough. 
It's not got enough about it. It's not a city. It's not Nottingham. It's not Derby. It's full of issues. It's full of problems. But I'm one, and we as a church believe that God is whispering to this community, I am the God of the second chance. I have plans for this community. I want to bless this community. I want to help this community. I want prosperity in this community. I want jobs to be, to be created. I want hospitals to increase. I want schools to be blessed. I want people to be helped upon the streets. I want older people and children and young people and families and divorcees and widowers. Let me be radical. Homosexuals, lesbians, drug dealers. I want them all to be helped because I love them. I'm a God of the second chance. As Andy comes and just jumps on the the piano, the keyboard, I just want to read something from John chapter 3. You can read it with me on the screen. This is what it says. If we could go to the message, please, Chris. I don't know whether we, we can do that quickly. If not, I'll just read it. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his own, one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Let's go to verse 17. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. Listen to me. Some of you need to hear that. Both those who are in faith and those outside of faith. He didn't come to accuse you. He didn't come to condemn you. He didn't come to tell you how the world the bad is and was. But rather he came to help to put the world right again. A very well-known American, trusted, good pastor said this. The local church is the hope of the world. Why? Because we have a message of good news. It's not condemnatory, but it's expressed through love. Jesus comes to each and every one of us and offers us a second chance. Often we make an appeal, ask people to respond. And I'm going to ask you to do that, but quietly, not outwardly, because I'm recognizing there's many guests here, and I don't want to form any kind of embarrassment at all. But before we just go to prayer, I'm just going to ask two things of you. If you need God to give you a second chance, as I pray, you just quietly in your heart say, God, give me a second chance. The second thing I'd ask for you to do is if you don't own a Bible, but you'd like to read Zacchaeus, the story of Zacchaeus and the woman caught in adultery, downstairs in the resource area, there's a Bible. You can just take them for free. We've got a Bible there. Please note, we won't be after your details. Just go and take a Bible. Begin to read from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just read about this Jesus. There are many other accounts where he comes and offers a second chance to other people, just like you, just like me. I wonder if we bow our heads in prayer.